And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sherry Duncan, who had two near-death experiences, one at the age of nine and one at the age of 63, which we're going to talk about today and more. Sherry, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm a subscriber and a big fan. Oh, thank you so much. Sherry, let's start with your first one and go from there. Okay. Um, my first ND experience, NDE experience happened in 1966. I was nine and a half. My aunt and my cousins invited me to go to the beach with them. Um, it was a sunny, partially overcast day, and I was very excited. I love the ocean. So we got to the beach, and my male cousin, he was around 13 years old, um, him and I decided to walk down the shoreline and look for seashells. And um, I was excited. So we, we trotted off. We got down the beach a ways. And um, I was looking down for seashells, and the ocean water came up and rolled over my feet, which, which was great. I was looking down at the water. It was about my ankle level. And then out of the blue, all of a sudden, a very strong wave just overtook me and pulled me out into the ocean. It had a very strong undertow. It, it caught me totally off guard. I didn't even see it coming. So I was able to take a big breath with, when the first wave got me, and it plunged me under, and then it, it immediately pushed me back up uh, long enough to take a medium-sized breath. And then it pushed me back under again, a lot of bobbing up and down. So I went down a second time, and then um, it pushed me up again a third time. But that time I barely got a breath in. And then it, it felt a little bit slow motion. And what came into my mind were those old Bugs Bunny cartoons where the character is drowning and he pops up once and he puts one finger up and he pops up twice and puts two fingers up. And then he pops up the third time and waves goodbye. That's what was going on in my mind. I felt like I was that cartoon. Um, anyway, I went down the third time and I immediately had a tantrum and started telling God off believe it or not. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm only nine and a half. I haven't had time to do anything yet. You're taking me now. And at that point, it seemed like I split off into two versions of myself. I was the nine and a half year old telling God off. And then to my left and a little bit behind me seemed to be an adult version of me. Observing the child of me having a tantrum and it was mildly amused or she was mildly amused. So there were two versions of me there. And then we both kind of floated there, looking down through the water to God. We, I felt like he was right over there. And we knew he heard him. We knew he heard us, but he didn't answer. So we were both floating there. And then all of a sudden, what felt like a female voice combination download came from my left-hand side. And she said, notice the beauty around you. No, I'm sorry. The first thing she said was, if God is taking you now, there must be a good reason for it. So don't be afraid and relax. And that made sense to me. I thought, okay, well, if he's taking me now, there must be a good reason. I believed in God. So I just surrendered. And the moment I surrendered, I felt completely calm. I felt warm. Um, I wasn't scared. Uh, and I was not aware of not being able to breathe. I felt great. Um, and so then the, 
the downloader, the woman's voice said, notice the beauty around you. So at that point, I looked up and this, the rays of the sun were shining through the pale green seawater. And some of, some of it was sparkling like diamonds. So I was, I was looking at the color of the water and the sparkling sunshine th through the sea. And um, the next thing I noticed were all the particles floating through the seawater. And I realized that the ocean was teeming with sea life. And I was looking at the particles and how they were all different. They reminded me of snowflakes. So I was zeroing in on that. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I was drowning or not breathing. And um, the next thing the download said was, um, the ocean is female in nature and mankind often underestimates her immense power and capacity for construction and deconstruction. And so after she said that, I was, I sensed the, the massive amount of ocean behind me. It felt like a, a country. And I was picturing whales and all the sea life floating through the water. And now I was part of it. And um, I was thinking about the ocean being um, female. And I was just contemplating all of that when all of a sudden the water pushed me out onto the wet sand really hard and really unexpectedly. So if I hadn't been breathing a moment before, just being slapped on that wet sand pushed air into my lungs and I, I breathed and I was in shock. And it almost felt like she was angry to let me go, like she wanted to keep me. Um, I, I stood up, I was extremely fatigued. I looked like a drowned rat. And instead of being happy to be alive, I was worried about what my hair looked like in front of my male cousin. I ended up being a hairdresser in life. That's probably why. <laughs> but um, I was wondering two things at that moment. Um, I was wondering um, why my cousin wasn't helping me. He was staring at me like I like he was pale, like he was seeing a ghost come out of the water. And I was just I was wondering why he wasn't helping me. And let's see, what was the second thing I was thinking? I felt like a drowned rat. Um, I can't remember the second thing I was thinking, but um, anyway, that, that was that story. So we walked back to his, his mom and um, him and I never talked about that experience again. For some reason, I never told my mother or anybody until just recently. And now today to you, uh, that was that experience. Sherry, thank you for sharing that experience with us. When you became two versions of yourself, do you think that you were out of your body looking at yourself as well? I think so, because I could kind of see the back of my head and my shoulder. And it's like I, it's like I, I could see from both versions of myself. I saw through my nine-year-old eyes, and then I saw through her eyes, and then I felt, or the second me, I felt the emotions of her being amused that I was telling God off. And as a nine-year-old, I was confused why I was feeling so adult. I was acting like a child having a tantrum, but I also felt like an adult. It was so strange. So I don't know if that was my higher self. Sometimes what happens to people that we talk about is they become bilocated. It's yeah. like they're in two places at the same time. Yeah. Do you that's feel like that's how it was? Yeah, I was kind of floating in front and kind of floating in back to the left. And then I was aware of the download and the woman over here. And I don't know if that was a, a guide or... Um, 
a guardian angel. I'm not sure. And it was her voice that you heard, not your own, that the downloads came from? It wasn't my own. It was definitely separate. And it felt like a protective energy. Because as soon as she started talking, I felt completely calm. And I have had angel encounters in the past. And when you're, when you're around an angel, they always make you feel completely calm. That's how I felt. Warm, safe. It was kind of exhilarating. It was interesting how you said that the ocean is female in nature. Do yes. You, do you feel that the ocean itself is its own entity, like a conscious entity? Yes. It definitely felt like that. Um, like I said, when she spit me out, it's like she was upset. She wanted to keep me. Um, I'd always loved the ocean. And um, I even thought of being a marine biologist when I was a, well, I, was, I guess I was a kid then, or when I got a little older. But um, yeah, I, whenever I think of the ocean now, I think of it as a female. And she can be temperamental. Would you say that it's just the ocean as a separate entity, or would you combine the ocean with the entire planet, like some people call Gaia? Hmm. Um, it felt like both. I mean, she felt like part of the entire planet, but she, she definitely felt like a female energy or essence. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you were only nine and a half when this happened, but how did your life change afterwards? Well... From the time I was three years old, I was an empath. Um, I had various experiences of seeing spirits when I was little, and I could read people's minds. But I actually got channeled, channeled. I started hearing channeling after that happened. Like I'd be in the classroom. I was about in fourth grade. And the teacher would be up at the chalkboard teaching a lesson and asking us questions. And I, I would get a download of the answer over and over again. Um, I could also feel the hidden agendas of people if they were being disingenuous or um, of my teachers and my babysitters. Um, I, could, I could tell where they were coming from. But I learned at that young age not to take advantage of your gifts because um, one time when I was bopping off every answer to the teacher, she thought I was smarter than I, than I was. And well, maybe I was smart, I don't know, but she put me in a more advanced class. And when I get in that advanced class, I was totally unprepared. And remember those Charlie Brown cartoons where the adults talk and when they talk, it went wah, wah, wah. Mm -hmm. but when she put me in that smart class, um, the teacher talked and I didn't understand a word she was saying because I was so nervous. She asked me one question after another and I didn't know the answer. So I learned at that young age, when, when you're given gifts, pick and choose how you're going to use them so you don't bring too much attention to yourself. Learn that the hard way. Do you think that event had an effect on your spiritual or religious life? That's a good question. <laughs> like everybody always says to you. Mm. Hmm. Um, well, getting channeled messages was uh, helpful at times, but I didn't, it didn't launch me onto a spiritual quest until um, into the future. I had other things happen that actually launched me onto that path in a big way. I was kind of young then, so I just um, didn't really fully understand what was happening. I don't know why I kept it private, but um, I didn't talk about that stuff too much. I learned at an early age, like when I was a child, and I, I had an entity that would come out of my closet and kind of torture me. And when my parents couldn't help me with that, I realized that a lot of this stuff, I was on my own. Did your parents just think that you were seeing things or you had an imaginary friend? Yes. 
um, they would look in the closet and they wouldn't see what I was seeing. And as soon as they'd leave, this entity would come out again. What did it look like? It was a black shadow figure. It was a woman. And she'd come out of my closet. She'd flicker over to my bed. She'd pull my covers down, grab me by the ankle, pull me to the end of the bed, flip me over, spank me, shove me back over, push me back up and put the covers back over me. And she'd come out over and over again. Do you think it was a ghost or a, a being that was in the house that's been there for years? It was an older part of town and an older home, so it might have been an entity that was in the house. But she was negative. And um, um, what happened is when, when, the, when I realized I was making my parents wary, calling them every night in there, I knew they couldn't help me, so I realized I was on my own. So one night when she flickered out of the closet, and took the covers off, pushed me down to the end of the bed. I was apathetic. I just laid there like a rag doll and I wasn't afraid anymore because I knew there was nothing that my, nobody could help me. As soon as my fear left, she left. And what I realized from that is um, when you feed fear, it grows. And when you starve fear out, it feeds elsewhere. Interesting, maybe she was just feeding off your fear. Yes, I was really afraid. She was feeding off my fear. That was an early lesson for me that I think was one of the reasons I came here to earth was to learn how to conquer fear because it's always been an issue in my life and held me back. Do you think that your NDEs were planned pre-birth? I think that one was, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't an NDE, was it? I think um, the entity, that was something that was pre-planned because it felt significant, that lesson about fear. The other one, the, the drowning, mm -hmm. um, I know this is going to sound like I'm crazy, but I feel like I've had a past life as a dolphin and I feel like I've had a past life as a mermaid. I remembered my mermaid family, everything. So um, it, it might have been pre-planned, but at least it was in synchronicity having an experience with the ocean for me because I've always loved the ocean and it's made a big impact on me my whole life. I don't know how aware you are of my catalog of videos, but... I've had a few near-death experiencers report that they went to the water planet. And one of them that was there even saw mermaids as yeah. well as um, fish-like beings. So it's very possible that you were something like that. Thank you <laughs> for not thinking I'm crazy. Um, yeah, I got a vision of having a husband and mermaid children. And I, even though it was dark in there, like, under the water, I could see. And we even had furniture. I'm not you know, like here on earth, but I don't know what it was made out of. But. It reminds me of SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds strange, but yeah. Well, let's move forward to your second NDE. Okay. My second NDE was not too long ago. It was um, 2021 and I was 64 years old. I had been diagnosed with sleep apnea. And since I live in a small town, I was on a waiting list for two months before they were going to be able to fit me for a CPAP machine. So I'd often not get really good sleep. I didn't realize at that time how severe my case was. I was stopping breathing at least 20 times an hour, but I didn't know that at the time. So since I was so tired, I, I took naps. I often took naps. So one day I, I laid down at one in the afternoon and, and um, I laid on my back. I was decided to take a nap and I fell into a, a deep sleep. And the next thing I know, I was in a dark room. And the first thing I said was, this is real. This is real. I said that out loud because I was 
I was no longer asleep. I knew I wasn't dreaming. And I was really there. <laughs> it was more real than, than you and I talking right now. So I immediately thought about my body and I was immediately beside my left cheek, looking at my face. I was right down on my head level. And then I jumped in my body. And even though my eyes were closed, I could see through my eyelids and I could see the ceiling and the door to my bedroom. And then I popped out beside my body again, looking at my face again. And when I was satisfied that I could get in and out of my body at will, I was back in that dark room. And um, so my, I adjusted my eyes to the room and what I saw were cowboys sitting around round tables in a saloon looking at a backlit bat bat stage with dance hall girls kicking their legs up in unison. And the first thing I thought was, I'm creating this. That's what came into my mind. And I've always liked cowboys. I'm married to a, a Montana cowboy right now and I watched Westerns growing up. So it made sense to me that I, I'm, I was creating that, but I just went with it. So the next thing I saw was a barmaid that went up to one of the tables and gave a cowboy a drink. And he immediately touched her backside inappropriately. And that made this other cowboy from the table right next to him stand up and punch him. And then another cowboy stood up and punched that cowboy. And then all hell broke loose and the whole saloon, they were fighting each other. And I noticed the dance hall girls were making animated movements. Their mouths were round, their heads were swaying back and their, leg, their arms were flailing and they were screaming. And at that point I said to myself, this isn't for me because I've never understood fist fighting. I've never enjoyed it. So I turned my head to the right and that's when I realized I didn't have a body. I was an orb of energy, I was a circle. And the reason I know that is because when I turned my head to the right, the whole orb turned to the right, not just the head. And I was still in darkness, but I noticed on the wall on the left-hand side was a whole wall of what looked like honeycombs in a beehive. And I instinctively knew that each hole in the honeycomb was a portal to another dimension, but they weren't lit up, so I knew they weren't for me. So then I turned completely to the right and about 12 feet in front of me was a large lit up portal or opening, a circle. And I was, it was about 12 feet in front of me it stood about seven and a half feet high and seven and a half feet wide. And through that portal, I could see a beautiful blue sky with puffy white clouds. I saw treetops with various colors of green leaves slightly swaying in the wind. And then off to the right through the portal, I could see rolling green grass hills and flowing meadows. And it's like it was beckoning me forward and I wanted to go through it. But then at that moment, I thought, am I dead? And a little bit of fear slipped in, just a little bit of fear. And as soon as that little bit of fear slipped in, I was immediately back in my bed and I woke up or I opened my eyes. And I was immediately upset because I still felt that urge to go through that portal. And I wanted to see the beauty in there. And I wanted to see if I had any guides that would have given me information. And I was mad at myself for letting fear stop me. That was that experience. You asked yourself, are you dreaming when you were thinking about the saloon? Were you dreaming that or is that something that was real or were you in the past? I didn't ask myself if I was dreaming. 
something told me that I was creating that on an astral plane. So I, I, I knew that I created that scene. I knew I was on an astral plane. Why do you think you were creating that? I just know there's different levels in the astral world. And depending on how you're resonating in your energy, um, that's, that's where you end up. And I just must have been resonating the way they were resonating. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't know why I created that, but that's where I ended up mm. at first. Maybe I wasn't scared, though. Maybe since you live in a small town where there's a lot of cowboys, somehow that was kind of in your Native psyche. Americans. Yeah. Yeah, I've had more than one experience with Native American energy, too. So did that experience change your life at all? Yes, because I still had a several weeks to wait to get fitted for a CPAP machine. So, And since I was stopping breathing 20 times an hour still, I had many more out-of-body experiences at that point. And so I, I learned that there are two types of out-of-body experiences, at least for me. Um, one was traveling to the astral realms, and that was always in grayscale, not color. And what would happen is, you remember those old-fashioned black and white TVs and when, when it had fuzz and static on it? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd be asleep, and all of a sudden I'd, I'd see a stat, static, like a TV set. And when the static would get clearer and clearer, and I actually saw a scene, I could jump into it, like I could jump into the TV. And I'd always end up in a living room, a kitchen, somebody's bedroom, or the backseat of a car, or an outside scene. But it was like a black and white TV. It was always in grayscale. I'll give you a couple examples. One time, I jumped into the backseat of a car, and the man in the front, I could feel he was terrified and he had the car at a stop, and a black panther jumped onto the roof of the hood of his car. I was in the back seat hovering, and I could feel his fear. And when I saw the black panther, I backed out of that scene. Another time, I ended up in a little girl's bedroom. She was African American. I could tell I was an orb of energy, but I could tell she could see me. And so I didn't want her to be scared. So I tried to talk to her. But in that astral realm, my language didn't translate. So when I, when I opened my mouth to talk to her, I, and exaggeratedly, I, I jumped forward. I opened my mouth, and all that came out was blah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm scaring her even more. And I was so nervous, and then I, I jumped back, and I felt so guilty. And she wasn't scared of me at all, but she called her grandmother. And a beautiful African-American grandmother came in the room. And I guess I was trying to hide at the foot of her bed. I was bobbing there and she could see me too. And they treated me like I was a little puppy. The grandmother said, oh, look at the poor thing. She's scared. <laughs> and they weren't. So to me, I felt like that was a higher astral realm because they seemed advanced. Anyway, the second type of out-of-body experience that I experienced was what I call traveling to the heavenly realms. And what would happen is I'd be asleep. I'd see a pinpoint of bright light. And when I concentrate on that pinpoint of bright light, it would get bigger and bigger and bigger until I'd be right at the precipice of entering it. And I'd see a beautiful scene in full color. And it would always be a nature scene, either mountains, ocean, meadows, parks. And then if I wanted to, I could step into that. But I stopped myself many times because my best friend at the time that I confided in was worried I was going to die. And she she kind of projected fear onto me and I let that fear kind of 
stop me from entering those portals. But those were the two types of astral travel that I did after that NDE. So that kind of changed my life a little bit. Have either one of those experiences faded over time? No. They're as strong today as the, the day they happened. And crystal clear, I, I couldn't forget them if I wanted to. So what I learned is, um, I'm not talking about the process of death, that could be difficult, but the actual event when you die is as easy as popping out of your body. And I learned that um, our astral body or light body, maybe this isn't true for everybody, but it can be a ball of energy or an orb. And you can have multiple, multiple perspectives at, at once when you're in that orb. Um, you can travel at the speed of thought. And I can't remember the next thing I was going to say, but that's what I learned. After either one of those experiences, did you have any new abilities that you didn't have prior? I, I did get abilities off and on. I couldn't always control them. Like one time I saw him to the future for two days straight. Um, I saw my, my husband and he had a bandage around his um, finger. And I thought, oh, maybe he got cut. You know, I dreamed that. And then the next day he got burned and had a bandage around that finger. And another dream was my daughter-in-law. She was crying and she was really upset. And the next day her dog died and she was crying and she was really upset. Um, things like that would happen. Um, a lot of times I'd get downloads of information, simple things like, if you, if you do that, your husband's going to get mad. And then I'd ignore it and I'd do it and he would get mad. Or I'd be in the grocery store and buy mouthwash on sale and the, void, the download would say, if you're going to buy that, tell, tell the um, cash register that it's on sale, the, how do you say it, the clerk, mm -hmm. um, or she's going to charge you full price. And I would ignore it and she, it wouldn't be in her system and she'd charge me full price. So I learned that to listen to my guidance or I'd be sorry for the most part. Um, what inspires you about either one of your NDEs? What inspires me is that um, how easy we can pop out of our body. It's like going out of a door. And so death is really something that's not to be feared. Um, you know, the death process, you know, nobody wants to be ill for a long time and suffer. And um, I feel like you can meditate and talk with God about that, you know, <laughs> but uh, life is an adventure here. And so that's how you have to look at it and have as much fun as you can and laugh as often as you can, because Death, death is pretty easy. And then there's adventure. There's a whole world and adventure on the other side waiting for you. But that's how I feel. That's what's inspiring about it. Now, you mentioned that you've had two STEs. Can you tell us about one of them? Sure. Um, let's see. Do you want to hear um, the one that happened when I was 63 in 2020? Or do you want to hear about the one that happened in, in 1996 when I was 39? Let's do 96. Okay. All right. In 1996, I was 39 years old. Um, I had met and fell for a guy that I worked with and we got engaged and moved in together. Um, shortly into our relationship, within a four month period, he lost two jobs that were really important to him. Um, and then he got really depressed. And so he started to drink more and more alcohol. And the more alcohol he drank, the more abusive he became. 
um, until finally um, he was impossible to live with. Um, so we moved apart. But he admitted to me after that he was practicing some torture techniques on me when we lived together that he had learned from a special forces military friend of his. And they must have worked because by the time we broke up, I was physically ill. Um, I was having around the clock panic attacks and I was really depressed. So um, it was hard to make ends meet when I moved out. I was working two jobs. One started at six in the morning and I got off at 2.30 in the afternoon. And the second one started at 3.30 in the afternoon and I got off at 10 p.m. And I didn't have a car. So I'd have to walk miles home. So one night after getting off my second job, um, it started raining, which upset me because I still had miles to walk. And to top it off, these 20-somethings, some kids, drove through a puddle of water on purpose, and a sheet of dirty water hit me and drenched me from head to toe. And I, I heard them laughing as they drove off. So at that point, I had such little life force that I just decided, OK, I can't take it anymore. And there was some grass by the sidewalk. And I, this was illogical at the it's illogical when you hear it now, but it made sense to me at the time. I decided I was just going to lay down on the grass and die. I, I had just had enough. So <clears throat> I was contemplating the logistics of that. Okay, how am I going to die? My body's wet, and it's, 10, it's 10.30 now. By midnight, will I get cold enough? And how will that kill me? And that's what I was thinking when all of a sudden I was swept up in a vision. I was no longer there. Um, I was in a dark room. And what I saw was nine faces and shoulders of people going off in a curve to the left. And, and they had a light behind their head, each one of them. And I was told that um, the first one was my mother and then my son, my future husband, and people that had to do with my future husband. And then at the tail end were three or four people that I didn't know what my relationship was with them. But I was told that all of these people needed me in my future. Okay, at that point, I was swept up to a second vision. I was a military man that was on the battlefield, and he was paralyzed with fear because he needed to, to march his platoon forward into battle. And he was terrified he was going to die. So he was trying to decide whether to retreat or to go forward. But if he retreated, it, it was a bad decision. That was going to be certain death. So he seemed to be me in another lifetime, and both lifetimes seemed to be happening at the same time. So we were helping each other make the decision, and we were strengthening each other. I could see him on the battlefield, and he could see me, I guess. Anyway, I decided that to go ahead and help the people waiting for me in my future, and he decided to be brave and lead his platoon forward in battle. And we made the decision at the same time. So at that moment, I was back on the street looking at the grass. I was back in my body. But I felt warm. I didn't feel wet from the, the rain. I felt energized. And I still had miles to walk home, but I felt like I had wings on my ankles and like I was gliding home. It didn't even feel like I was walking. It was like an angel was carrying me or something. And um, that was that experience. And so what I learned is don't ever give up. You're needed in your future. And, um, and, and we, we all come here with a mission, so it's important to complete it if you can. And um, after that, how I changed is it was hard to um, converse with phony people that put on airs. I really craved authenticity after that. I learned how to put healthy boundaries in place. And it was like I was reborn. My, my whole life completely changed after that. 
Um, I went on to study metaphysics and spirituality. I read hundreds of books. I studied A Course in Miracles. My whole life changed. And um, I did help my mother, the first one in that curve. I helped my mother die of ovarian cancer. I raised my son and gave him strength. I was a good mother to him. I met and married the man I saw in that vision. And the next person turned out to be his mother. I helped her die of lung cancer. The next one was his son. And the next one were his other son and daughter and their spouses. And then the ones at the end, I still don't know who they are. I haven't met them yet. So it seems that you have some type of gift of premonition. Yeah. Never thought of it like that, but I guess I do. I was going to ask about reincarnation, but you already answered my question. So I was, sometimes it just happens that way. Yeah. And it, it was strange when I saw that man on the battlefield, because it seemed to be like both lifetimes were happening at the same time. So it's almost like everything's happening at the same time, mm -hmm. the past, the present, the future. I'm sure you've heard that. Sometimes uh, we'll talk about that all lifetimes are happening at the same time. Yeah. That's what it seemed to me. And, um, it's interesting that maybe we made a, a pact before we were born that we were going to meet at that crucial point to give each other strength to make such a hard decision. He was afraid he was going to die and I wanted to die. And we strengthened each other so that he lost his fear of dying and I wanted to live. Kind of interesting. Now, you mentioned during one of your NDEs that it was just as real during the NDE as it was you and I talking right now. It was more real. It felt, um, I can't even explain it. It's like everything was more alive. My, my breathing over there, we don't breathe on the other side. We're vibrated. But it felt like breathing because I, I had just come from here. So um, I felt more, um, more alive over there. Like my breathing, my eyesight, everything felt fresh and just effervescent on that side. Do you ever see orbs here in this lifetime while you're conscious? Hmm. No, I've never seen an orb. Um, I've, I've seen um, shadow figures and um, I've seen animals like cats or dogs out of the corner of my eye. Um, they'll be walking along and then I look and they're not there. Um, but... Um, no, I've never seen orbs. Have you ever seen any pictures or videos of orbs? And if so, when you see them, do you make the connection like, wow, that is what I was like when I was an orb? Yes. Yeah. It, um, it's exhilarating being an orb because you can move at the speed of thought. Um, when you first go into the orb, it takes some navigation, though, because you know, you're learning something new, <laughs> kind of like riding a bike. But um, you can travel by thinking that you want to go forward, like I did when I saw the honeycomb wall. I was, I was willing myself to go forward. But then, like I said, if I thought, thought of myself in the bed, I was immediately looking at my face in the bed. So you can move like that. I'm assuming if you just thought, well, I want to go to Canada, then immediately you're there. Yeah. I didn't think of that. But um, I should have done that. Could have seen the pyramids or gone anywhere. I kind of want to say, well, there's always a next time, but then I don't want to say that. <laughs> well, I've been off the sleep apnea machine for a while because it trained me to how to breathe the right way, but I'm at the point where I might need to get it again. So maybe I will have another experience. I don't know. 
Do you think that you can have experiences just from meditation? Yes, I do. Now that I know there's two entrances to the other side, one to the astral realm and grayscale and one to the heavenly realm and color, you can purposely, when you lay down um, or when you meditate, try to um, envision that pinpoint of light. And, and you'll see it. It's real. And once you see it and it gets bigger and bigger, that means you're traveling toward it almost like being in a tunnel. Have and you, then that's in full color. Have you done that during meditation? No. <laughs> um, I meditated once um, and I saw um, me in a car like um, without a top. And I was going down the freeway and I was feeling exhil- exhilarated and really happy. And the next day we got a free car from my husband's aunt. Uh, totally unexpectedly. So it's almost like I manifested it or something. I've had that, those kind of things happen. Do you feel that fear is the main blockage from either leaving your body as well as putting you back in? Yes. Fear. Well, putting you back in, I don't know, because when I was afraid, I was immediately back in. Um, so I'm not sure about getting back in, but definitely to going on and having wonderful, exciting experiences when you're on the other side. Fear can stop you immediately. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it only takes a teeny bit of fear. That's it. Yeah, that's what I meant is that, that it automatically puts you back in. Yes, it does. Fear is one of the main things in, in our world that um, causes all sorts of problems. We, we can't meet our, meet our potential. It stops you from having a lot of adventures. And lo- love is um, the opposite of that. It's what everybody should strive for. You mentioned earlier that you were here to work on fear. Do you feel like you've conquered it? I still struggle with it once in a while, but not like I used to. Um, I I feel like that's one of the reasons I came here to Earth. But after being told that people were needed in my future, well, I had a second um, STE that kind of made me realize why I'm here. It's to um, help give people um, an enthusiastic love for life and help them realize that there's a reason to, a reason to live and not, not to stay in depression. What happened in that STE? That STE happened in 2020. I was 63 years old. Um, my stepson, my husband's son, um, died of a drug overdose of oxycodone. It was just, it was suspected fentanyl was involved, but my husband didn't want to have an autopsy done. So we're not sure, but he was only 23. It was really tragic. And the whole family was hit very hard, and we were all in mourning. M- marriages often don't survive the death of a child, and ours was no exception. So um, our marriage became really rocky after that. Um, my husband, it seemed like he died on the same day his son did. And um, he was very unhappy, and um, we were arguing a lot. So one morning, uh, we woke up at the same time, and I said something that I thought would make him laugh. And instead, he got mad at me. And I remember my heart sunk and I got a lump in my throat. Well, later that morning, I had a, an appointment with an energy healer who I'd been seeing for about a year. And um, when I got there, she said, how can I help you today? And I told her how upset I was. I felt like my marriage was failing and I couldn't help my husband feel better. And so she said she could help me and she left the room. I don't know what she did, but she came back a few minutes later and um, she asked me a few more questions. And I told her that most of my life I'd purposely taken pain away from other people and taken it into myself. And I was able to help people over my lifetime doing that. And I couldn't do it with my own husband. And she told me that I was hurting people by doing that, that I was actually 
taking people's pain away is it's their karma to bear, not mine. And I was hurting them. That made me feel terrible. But anyway, I laid down on her table and she started working on me. Four minutes in, I was immediately caught up in a vision. I was a Native American male and I was sitting in a medicine wheel, well, not a medicine wheel, um, a circle around a big bonfire. And we were sitting there, um, my whole tribe. And then I saw the spirit go out of my, my body sitting at the circle and walk to the back and to the right a little bit to a clearing. And I immediately saw two Native American males on horses. They were warriors. And I, I was looking up at them and they were looking at me with admiration um, and also with worry in their eyes on what I was about to experience. So then at that moment, an old Native American woman came walking up to me. She was a medicine woman. She was in full Native American garb. She had gray braids, long braids, and she had deep wrinkles in her face. And she beckoned me to follow her to a clearing. And we were standing about 12 feet apart. So she looked at me for a minute and then she put her arms straight out with the palms up toward me. And then she pulled her arms back. When she pulled her arms back, there was a, a baby wrapped in a papoose in her arms. And she held it close to her. And I knew that baby was me. She rocked it for a minute. And then she went straight up with the baby up to the sky. As soon as she did that, I was back on the energy healer's table. My eyes were closed. And I saw all these large teardrop shapes with a little curve at the end, filled with what looked like an old-fashioned black and white TV static. They were moving within the ring teardrops. And they were coming out of my body from everywhere my liver, my kidneys, my spleen, my feet, and they swooshed up into the air. And as soon as they did, they ended up in the smoke in the center of that Native American circle in the smoke from the fire. And the medicine woman was transmuting the energy from negative to positive in that smoke so it wouldn't hurt anybody else. And then it went up into the sky. And it, when it went up into the sky, it immediately turned into all the faces of the people who I'd taken the, the negative energy from them throughout my whole lifetime. And they were looking down on me. And I felt an urge to go like this. And I bowed to them and thanked them for what they taught me with their negativity. And they went like this and bowed back at me for allowing them to live in my body all those years as their home. I know it sounds strange. The next thing that happened is I was standing in the fire. And there was a bald Buddha on my left and a bald Buddha on my right. And I guess the fire was sealing my healing. And the next thing I know, I was back on the energy healer's table and my whole body was shaking. And I got a download of information that said, tell her you need a musical instrument that vibrates. And you need that right now. So I said to the energy healer, do you have anything that makes sound that can vibrate over my body? And she got excited because a few weeks before she had been at a festival and she bought a Tibetan sound bowl and it cost a thousand dollars and she was really contemplating, should I buy this or shouldn't I? And she bought it. So she went to the corner of her healing room and she did the Tibetan sound bowl over my whole body and my shaking stopped. Then I had a question that I said to her, I said, what do I do now that I'm so empty? What do I fill myself back up with? Which was a strange question, but that's what I asked. And before she could answer me, I got a download of information that said, fill your body with the nature of fire, water, earth, metal, air, or ether. And so I spoke the answer out loud to the energy healer. So she knew I got an answer. Then I had a second question. I said, 
what do I do if negative energy tries to get in me again from other people? And before she could answer me, I got another download. And it said, if, if people try to project negative energy towards you, let it go in through your third eye area. See a waterfall rushing down the center of your body and out into the ground. Let the negative energy go in through your third eye, rush down through the waterfall, out through your feet and into Mother Earth, and she will make it inert. So I spoke that answer to the energy healer. And that was the end of that. Um, the after effects from that were life-changing. Um, what happened was all the negative, all the chatter that we have in our heads went completely silent. There was no more self-talk in my head. The second thing that happened is, you know how an antibiotic gets rid of all the good bacteria and the bad bacteria in your body? Well, everybody has a pain body and they have a pleasure body. It's where you store really strong emotions throughout your whole life. And then you can get triggered. If somebody says something to you that triggers you from a bad memory, you can have an overreaction. And the same thing with pleasure. Let's say you fall in love for the first time and you store that emotion. And somebody can say something that reminds you of that. And all of a sudden it takes you to that feeling and you feel so good. I lost my pain body and I lost my pleasure body. I was completely empty. So I was in a constant state of equanimity. Like if you're on a teeter-totter, I wasn't on either side. I was in the center. So I had no chatter. You could hear crickets up here. And I felt neutral. There was, there was no more triggering. So my husband and I immediately started to get along better. He was acting the same way he always did. but. I was completely different. Um, if he said something that would trigger me and make me feel bad, I, it, I didn't feel bad. And, and that made him and I get along better. It was like a miracle. You had all that negative energy within your body for years. Yes. It brought me back to where you had that entity in your room as a child. And I wonder if that entity oh. would consume those energies. It would have. It would have eaten it voraciously. And I learned from that experience, um, do not take on other people's stuff because it doesn't belong to us. So I wasn't even really consciously aware I was doing that, but I was. I was taking other people's stuff and just taking it in, taking it in. I think that's a very valuable lesson. And I really like that you mentioned that who are we to take their negative energy away anyway? So that's something that they need to be processing or or part of their karma. Exactly. And I had no idea. I thought my ego told me that I was helping people all those years when in, when in reality I wasn't. That was a big lesson. And it kind of frees you up too, to just live your own life, stay in your own lane and is, let people live their life and stay in their lane. Even though if someone who you love is experiencing that, you still got to stay detached. Exactly. Um, it's kind of living from the inside out. Um, don't let them make you feel bad, but you're there to help them and give them loving and gentle, you know, help with their problem, but you don't take it on as it's your own because you're not helping them. And then you actually, you don't get along that well when you do that it causes more problems. After watching this podcast, People may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that? Definitely. Um, they could email me. Um, my email address is sunhappylemon at gmail.com. 
or they could reach me on Facebook and message me there. Um, it's um, facebook.com slash sunhappylemon. You also have a book out. What's the title of it and what's it about? Okay. Yes, I have a book on Amazon. Um, you can get it in paperback, uh, Kindle, or audio, Audible. Um, it's called You Will Be Okay, I Promise, a Uniquely Helpful Guidebook. And my pen name for that book is Danny Duncan. I just thought that sounded more catchy. Um, and it's about um, how I healed myself after a, after a nervous breakdown, utilizing the laws, universal laws and principles. And it also speaks of an angel encounter I had in that book. Can you tell us a little bit about the universal laws that you wrote about? Yes. Um, after, after living with that gentleman who was practicing torture techniques on me, I, I actually had a minor nervous breakdown. Um, and um, I went to, I flew back to, to live with my mother in Georgia. And um, I went through a whole healing journey there. And um, I studied A Course in Miracles. And it seemed like she always took me to these wonderful bookstores and, and Georgia's filled with metaphysical bookstores of all sorts. And whenever we'd go to these various stores, books would just jump off the shelf to me. They, they'd like fall at my feet. And um, I discovered um, hundreds of universal laws and principles that I'd never heard of. And um, I was guided to put 72 of those in my book. Um, there's actually a glossary in the back of the book that has 72 universal laws and principles particularly the ones that helped me heal myself from a nervous breakdown. Um, there's, there's the law of attitude, um, the law of life and death. Um, laws just like the law of gravity, but the, it's, like, it's like we have a playbook on how to live here on earth, and I didn't even know these existed. So they, it changed my life when I discovered them. Have you had any other paranormal experiences? Yes, I had a... Um, what I consider a UFO experience in 1972, I was 15 years old. Um, it was three various events, but they happened like within two days. And when I put those events together in my mind, it makes me wonder, you know, if I was abducted or something, I'm not sure. Well, what happened is um, one day I found myself in what was called the quad at my high school. It's an area between classes where kids just kind of gather. I was just there. I didn't know how I got there. I didn't remember walking to school that day. I didn't remember my morning classes. It was about 10.30. I was filled with fear, and I, was, I felt terror. And kids were walking by me kind of scoffing at my blouse, like it might have been unbuttoned or something. But I was so full of fear, I couldn't even look down. Somehow I managed to get to my next class. I don't even know how I knew what my next class was because I was so disoriented. Okay, that happened. And... Um, Later that, uh, later that night when I got home and I went to bed, I had a dream that felt like it was a flashback or a lucid dream. It was so real. I was standing on a corner about 3.30 or 4 in the morning. I didn't recognize the neighborhood, but there was a spaceship above me, right above my head. And I couldn't see the ends of it. So I don't know if it was as big as a football field or if it was as big as a city, but it was gigantic. It, it wasn't making any noise. You couldn't even hear crickets and birds in nature. And it was so close that I didn't see how something that was as big as a city could be so quiet. Since I couldn't see the ends of it, I don't know if it was a disc or, but there were three circles of lights um, on the bottom of it that made a triangle. 
that's what I remember. And so, um, so that happened that night after that first experience. And then the next day when I got home from school, I'd always clean up a little when I got home and then I'd watch a soap opera. At the tail end of the soap opera, there was a news break. That was the very next day that there'd been a UFO sighting a couple towns over from where I lived in San Jose, California. And then they showed a crop circle and my heart skipped a beat when I saw the crop circle because it had those same three circles that I saw at the bottom of the ship in the field, imprinted in the field. So I've never forgotten that experience. And I, I often wonder, did I have missing time? At one point I was in counseling and I asked the counselor if she thought I should be hypnotized so I could find out about the missing time and find out if those three situations were connected somehow. But she said if my body was making me forget it, it was probably for a good reason and maybe I wouldn't be able to handle it. And so she recommended that I didn't get hypnotized. Thank you for sharing it. Sherry, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Your sense of humor will carry you through life. So laugh as often as you can. Um, you attract what you feel. So strive to feel love. And you'll stay younger in this lifetime if you stay, stay what's called stay in what's called the forward movement. And the forward movement is seeing every situation in your life as an adventure. So if you do that, you will adventure into aging on the wings of time. That's a great message. Sherry, thank you for being my guest, and I wish you a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.